Over 30 million Americans live with diabetes. That's almost 10% of the population. Advances in medicine, treatment, and technology have made it possible for people to truly live and thrive with this disease. My guest today is Dr. Joseph Henske. He's not only the director of the UAMS Diabetes Program, but he also has diabetes himself. This is UAMS Health Talk from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. I'm Scott Webb. Dr. Henske, thanks for joining me today. Many of us think we know what diabetes is, but you are truly an expert. What is diabetes? Well, diabetes is a condition that results from elevated glucose levels in the blood. It's basically sugar that you eat in your food or carbohydrates uh, is converted to glucose. And if your body cannot handle that glucose in the bloodstream, your numbers are going to be elevated, and that's what we call diabetes. And doctor, I know there's at least two types of diabetes, type 1 and type 2. What are the differences between the two types? That's a great question. And in fact, there's actually more than two types of diabetes. We used to call them juvenile diabetes or type 1 diabetes and adult diabetes or type 2 diabetes. But now we understand that there's a lot more nuances. For most individuals, uh, they have either type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is caused by the body's own immune system attacking the pancreas, which causes a deficiency in the ability to make insulin. Type 2 diabetes is caused by fundamentally insulin resistance, often associated with being overweight, and ultimately can result in the end with an insulin deficiency or an inability to make enough insulin in response to the uh, insulin resistance. That's a great explanation, doctor. Thank you. And uh, how common is it to have something other than type 1 or type 2 diabetes? I would say it's probably less than 5% of patients have other types of diabetes. Some patients have sort of a hybrid between type 1 and type 2 diabetes we call type 1.5 diabetes. Some people have diabetes due to medications they may have taken. Some people have diabetes associated with pregnancy. Some people have diabetes related to a genetic uh, disorder that they may have been born with as well. Um, so, so there are things to look out for in some People might have diabetes caused by other uh, hormonal conditions. Again, these are much less rare, but for someone whose diabetes is not responding to their conventional therapy, sometimes we think about these other causes as well. And doctor, I may have this wrong, but in my mind I'm thinking, okay, some people are born with diabetes while others develop diabetes. Do I have that right? Very extremely rare that people are actually born with diabetes. People are born with a genetic predisposition to diabetes in some cases. Some people with type 1 diabetes may have a family history. Some people with type 2 diabetes may have a family history. But that rarely manifests at a very early age. It's usually triggered by some secondary event. In some cases with type 1 diabetes, we feel that uh, that there is a, a virus or something that may um, be a trigger. But we really don't know what the triggers are for type 1 diabetes. For type 2 diabetes, uh, a lot of it is related to, the, again, that genetic underlying predisposition, but also um, in the setting of excess weight. And what we find is that even if you have that genetic predisposition, if you're able to control your weight, you can uh, avoid developing diabetes. And in some cases, if you've already developed diabetes by losing weight, you can get rid of the diabetes. Well, thanks for clearing that up. I think I get a better picture now that it's the that people have a predisposition, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to develop diabetes. So what are ways patients can incorporate technology into their lives? I know that uh, my daughter had a, uh, a teammate of hers on one of her baseball 
football teams who had diabetes, and this is when he was eight or nine years old, and you know they were always constantly checking his levels and making sure that he was okay, and he was able to live with it and able to play and all of that. So let's talk about the technology. I think there's some really cool stuff out there. I think the revolution in diabetes technology is really what's made managing diabetes much easier over the last uh, decade or, or 20 years. I think back uh, when individuals were diagnosed with diabetes uh, 10, 20, 30 years ago, there was no glucose monitoring uh, in the home where you could stick your finger even and, and know what your blood sugar was. Um, you would have to use a urinary uh, measurement of your glucose or you would have to wait till you saw the doctor. Over the last uh, 20 years, there's been more uh, home glucose monitoring and now there's uh, what's called continuous glucose monitoring where uh, you can wear a device on either your abdomen or your arm, and it will give you real-time readout of what your blood glucose levels are doing. And this is extremely useful for anyone with diabetes, particularly people who take insulin, who experience large fluctuations in their glucose, to know on a minute-by-minute basis what their blood sugars are running. Um, it can be really a safety issue as well if someone is prone to having low blood sugars. These devices can even alert you to a low blood glucose in the middle of the night. Um, and this information can even be shared with family members or loved ones who want to keep track of you. You can imagine if you uh, were a parent of a child with, with type 1 diabetes and you were wondering, what is my child's blood sugar right now? Um, it's much easier to look at your phone and, and be able to read their glucose levels on, on your phone uh, and be reassured than, than have to ask your child to let you stick their finger again to find out the glucose value. That, that is truly amazing. Just kind of brings a smile to my face just thinking about kids and parents and you know how we how we need to monitor them or at least we feel like we do and to be able to do that from your phone is is really amazing can you talk about what the, you wish the public knew or better understood about diabetes management i think i want the public to feel really engaged and empowered about managing diabetes i i think that we want to get to a point where there's a real connection between the patient or the individual with diabetes and their doctor. And it's a really a two-way street because I think that's the way that diabetes is most effectively managed. I think there's a lot of uh, tools out there for patients to be engaged, to see what their own patterns are with their glucose values, to see what happens when they eat certain foods and to monitor their blood sugars and determine what are the best foods for them to eat. And I think that doctors really are receptive to uh, patients' suggestions and ideas and thoughts. And doctors are encouraged when patients are engaged and involved in their care. So I know for myself and the, the other doctors that I work with, we really encourage our patients to uh, be proactive, uh, ask a lot of questions, maybe about things that you've read about or seen on TV, and, um, and get involved. And know that this is something that's uh, completely treatable. The complications that have been long associated with diabetes, including eye disease and kidney disease and amputations and a lot of those things that are extremely scary for, for people to think about, those are all completely preventable. If you're able to control your blood glucose levels and keep them in a range similar to someone without diabetes, there's no reason that you can't have a full life expectancy without any complications of diabetes. So doctor, what's the correlation between good exercise habits and managing diabetes? That's a great question. I absolutely believe in exercise being a very crucial uh, part of diabetes management. When I think about, on a very simplistic level, how do you control diabetes? I think about it in terms of the glucose levels in the bloodstream, and I think you have glucose coming in and glucose coming out. And obviously, we know that glucose coming in is uh, from the diet in a lot of ways, and we all know that we need to address 
diet as an important um, factor in, in diabetes management, but we don't think, how do we get more glucose out of our bloodstream? We know that medications are, are part of that, but really the most efficient uh, way to get glucose out of our bloodstream is with exercise and, and with aerobic exercise. When you do that, the glucose gets utilized in an efficient way. It's a healthy way to strengthen your heart and, and your body, uh, control your body weight. Even small amounts of exercise, 30 minutes a day, uh, is extremely effective at uh, bringing down blood glucose levels, uh, things that can be as simple as walking. You don't have to do extremely strenuous exercise. Um, you can do even uh, light aerobic activity to control your blood sugars. A recent study showed that walking 10 minutes after each meal uh, was even more effective than walking 30 minutes uh, at a random time throughout the day. So that can be something that you can incorporate. And in some cases, you can use exercise to avoid having to take additional medications, which again, always are associated with additional costs and side effects. So I encourage people as much as possible to uh, take advantage of that in their management of their diabetes. That's fantastic to know that people don't have to have a fancy gym membership, put on a pair of decent walking shoes and go for a walk, and that can help them manage their diabetes and, and live with it. Dr. Henske, thanks so much for your time and insight today. For more information on Dr. Henske and diagnosis and treatment options, visit uamshealth.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for additional topics that may interest you. This is UAMS Health Talk. Thanks for listening.